Earlier this week, Bishop Marianne posed this question to a Zoom meeting of church leaders. In a world that often defines itself by what it's against, do our neighborhoods know what the Episcopal Church stands for? She continued, growing healthy churches have an identity. They know what they stand for. And that identity includes inviting people to grow closer to God. I think that should always be a priority for us here at Christ Church, to keep in mind that we want everyone who walks through our doors when they leave to feel as if they have had the opportunity to move closer in their relationship with God. If any of us were trying to summarize what it is that Christ Church should stand for, it seems to me that this morning's gospel should play a big factor. You should love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. It was the Beatles who famously sang all you need is love. And yet, Pat Benatar was not wrong when she countered with her own proclamation, love is a battlefield. <laughs> loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves is rarely as simple as it sounds. It takes real effort. Love, like life, is complicated. The ways in which we try and often fail to love God, love others, and love ourselves have huge consequences, which is why learning how to love is the work of our entire lifetime. Our gospel begins with this. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Although this lawyer is trying to trap Jesus, he ends up posing a meaningful question. I'd venture to guess that we're all familiar with the words that follow, known as the summary of the law. You should love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, Jesus says the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. For me, these words lie at the heart of who Jesus was. They pare down and synthesize the essence of his message. In the earlier iteration of this passage found in the Gospel of Mark, the author is even more direct when he states that these love commandments matter more than any system of burnt offering or sacrifice or law. Matthew then echoes Mark with this trinity of love teachings, love God, love yourself, love others, commandments that are not just similar, but they're contingent upon one another. The epistle of John says it this way, that if any of us claim to love God, but do not love our neighbors. In other words, if we wear our religion on our sleeve and 
tell everyone about our values, but we don't treat the people directly in front of us with dignity or care, then we are lying about our love of God. Those are strong words. So what does it really mean in your life to love God, to love others, to love yourself? It's a question that sounds so simple, but it might be hard to answer. For me, all three present significant growing edges. I was asked just this past week to pray at a meeting. I began with the salutation, loving God, followed by the rest of my prayer. In many ways, these words, loving God, encapsulate my theology of God, claiming what I think is most important about God, that God is love and that God loves. And yet, I rarely, if ever, say in my own prayers something akin to God, I love you. It can also be really hard to love other people. Perhaps you've discovered that in your own life. But I think there's an important distinction to be made between the feeling of love and the action of love. Here in our Capitol Hill neighborhood, we live on top of each other. We're nestled at the heart of a staunchly divided political system. We are not always going to feel like we love each other. But we can always find ways to see each other through the eyes that God sees us with and to treat one another accordingly, our actions grounded in love. Love is a verb. It's something that we do. I know sort of what it means to love myself. I can certainly speak to how dark it can feel to not love myself during those times when I felt unable to. I've shared with you before that prior to my father's death, he was in recovery from drug addiction. For so many years, he would reach new and startling lows. There were plenty of moments that I wondered if I or anyone else who loved him would be able to help him. One of the hardest lessons I've learned is that even at those moments when all we have to give is our love, there are times when our love might not be enough to save the person that we love. There were periods in my dad's life when he believed he wasn't worthy of love. I'll never forget sitting next to him at a 12-step meeting during which someone shared his belief that we have to figure out how we can love ourselves before we can truly love God or anyone else. Loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving ourselves are somehow interconnected. We sometimes wanna give ourselves over to a magical type of thinking that if we love someone enough, we can love them back to health or that we can love in such a way that our children will always be safe, or we can love our spouse in such a way that they will never want to leave. 
Unfortunately, it's not true. Nor is it the purpose of love. Our love is not what saves the people we share it with. We simply love them because we love them. We leave the rest to God. And yet, I do believe with every ounce of my heart that it is love that saves us. Our attempts to love matter, imperfect though it always is. Love is what enlarges our souls and it's what keeps us moving closer in our relationships with God, with one another, and with ourselves. In the name of God, amen.